This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. Now, at the half hour, we'll welcome Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis as the then very young comedy team welcomes along Hopalong Cassidy as their special guest. Right now, though, we hear another strange story from the series X-1. This episode is entitled Nightfall. Countdown for blast off. X-5, 4, 3, 2, X-1... Fire. From the far horizons of the unknown come transcribed tales of new dimensions in time and space. These are stories of the future. Adventures in which you'll live in a million could-be years on a thousand maybe worlds. The National Broadcasting Company, in cooperation with Street and Smith, publishers of astounding science fiction, presents... X minus one... Night story, Nightfall by Isaac Asimov. Ralph Waldo Emerson speculated if the stars should appear one night in a thousand years, how would man believe and adore and perceive for many generations the remembrance of the city of God? This was philosophically interesting. But on the edge of the galaxy, a planet swings on its orbit in a cluster of six suns. These suns hang in the sky above. Never less than two shine down through the entire 23.8 hours of the planet's day. The yellow light has burned down on the planet continuously, into the past till the mind of man runneth not to the contrary. Theremon was a reporter for the Saro City Chronicle. He covered them all, from the night police beat to politics to the sports pages. And the city editor wanted him to cover the biggest story of the year, perhaps of all time. It was an interview, a particularly difficult interview. But then, since his first days as a cub, Theremon had specialized in difficult interviews. It cost him bruises, black eyes, and broken bones. But it had gotten him an ample supply of coolness and self-confidence. 
He didn't expect violence, though, from an astronomer. You're from that newspaper? Well, you've got a lot of gall coming here. Now, look, Dr. Aton, it's only a job. I've read your paper. You've been writing this observatory for two months now. You've attacked me personally. I have nothing to say to you. Well, this is your chance to get your side into the paper. Look, Dr. Aton, I'll give it to you straight. Two months ago, the observatory issued a press statement that the world was coming to an end. Now, that's the same story the cult of the Book of Revelations had been preaching. Now, when a scientist backs that up, it's news. Our conclusions have nothing to do with the cult. The cult is full of superstition and mysticism. We're scientists. You've got the people pretty angry. It doesn't matter. If I can't get the story from you, I'll have to go somewhere else. Go ahead. The paper can be pretty rough on someone who doesn't cooperate, Dr. Aton. Young man, if you're not out of the observatory within five minutes, I shall call the police. Now get out. The reporter walks down the long hall from the observatory. The light filters through the high, clear story windows. The yellow light of gamma, the brightest of the six suns in the planet's sky. Beta is almost at zenith. Its red light floods the landscape to an unusual orange. The planet's sun, Alpha, is at the antipodes. And now as gamma sinks below the horizon, the red dwarf sun, Beta, is alone, grimly alone. It's a short drive from the observatory to Saro City, and the red light glares from the highway. The temple of the cult stands hewn from the solid rock of the Dormite Mountains outside the city. And in the inner courtyard stands Sor, the priest of the cult. Woe to the unbelievers! Their souls will rot with the absence of light. Tell me, Your Reverence, what will happen? What are you waiting for here? The day. The day of the coming. It is written in the book of Revelations. It came to pass the sun beta was alone in the sky. And the world was shrunken and cold. And men did assemble in the public squares and highways. Their minds were troubled and their speech confused. For the souls of men awaited the coming of the stars. And the lip of the cave of darkness passed the edge of Beta. And loud were the cries of men. And there was no light on the surface of the world. And in this blackness there appeared the stars in countless numbers. And in that moment, the souls of men departed from them, and their abandoned bodies became even as beasts. From the stars then reached down the heavens flame, and where it touched, the cities of the world flamed to destruction, so that of man, and all the works of man, not remained. So it is written. Dr. Sharon, you're the only scientist I could find in the city. Where is everybody? In the hideout. The hideout? Yes, but the place bored me. I wanted to be out here where things are getting hot. I want to see the stars the cultists are talking about. Besides, they don't want me at the hideout. I'm too scrawny to survive. What is the hideout? Well, we professors have managed to convince a few people that our prophecy of doom is valid. We've got about 3,000 people... They're supposed to hide where the darkness and the stars can't get at them. We hope they'll survive and leave the records. Survive? Survive what? Well, how true it is, I can't say. But the, the cultists say that every 2,050 years, all the suns disappear. 
and there is a total darkness, and then they say things called stars appear. Of course, men go mad. They, they mix all this up with a lot of religio-mystic notions, uh, but that's the central idea. But that's impossible, isn't it? I mean, there are always at least two suns in the sky, most of the time four or five. There aren't now. Only beta. You mean that there is going to be worldwide darkness tomorrow, that all mankind will go violently insane? What's behind that? Well, for one thing, the history of civilization of the world. We have located a series of cycles of civilizations comparable to our own, all of which, without exception, were destroyed by fire at the very height of their culture. But is there any scientific theory behind this which would explain it? Well, the University Observatory finished their calculations two months ago. And tomorrow there will be an eclipse of beta so that the planet will become dark. That eclipse comes every 2,049 years. Darkness. And maybe those mysterious stars that no man has seen. And then madness and the end of civilization. And you expect to live through this at the hideout? They plan to photograph the eclipse and leave the records. And then the rest of mankind will know what to expect. Well, what is there in darkness to drive men mad? Have you ever experienced darkness, young man? Well, no, but I know what it is. It's just no light. Oh. Uh, draw the curtain. Why, what for? If we had four or five suns out there, we might want to cut the light down for comfort. But with only beta... Ah, that's the point. Just draw the curtain and then come here and sit down. All right. I can't see you. Feel your way. But I can't see you. I can't see anything. Do you like it? Oh, it's awful. The walls seem... They seem to be closing in on me. I... I... I keep wanting to push them away. All right, all right. Draw the curtain back again. Oh, the light, the light. I. Oh, do you have a drink? Right here. Now, that was just a dark room. Yes, but it wasn't really so bad. You're afraid? Just darkness could do that. This isn't just a metaphysical theory, young man. It's promulgated from observed data. Well, come with me. Where? The locked wall down the corridor. Um, were you at the Cerro City Centennial Exposition two years ago? Uh, I was overseas on assignment. Well, you remember hearing about the tunnel of mystery that broke all records in the amusement area? Oh, yes. Wasn't there some fuss about that? The uh, anti-vice society had it shut down. Oh, it was shut down, all right. But the blue noses had nothing to do with it. That tunnel was nothing but a mile-long passage through darkness. You rode in a little car, and it took 15 minutes to get through. Oh, <laughs> It was very popular while it lasted. Popular? Well, there's a, there's a fascination to be frightened when it's part of a game. Absence of light is one of the instinctive human fears. People came out of that 15 minutes of darkness shaking and half dead with fear. Well, weren't there some deaths? Oh, bad hearts, but that wasn't the big danger. Now, uh, 
Which key is this? Ah. Where are we going? You'll see. No, the uh, heart attacks were actually good for business, but uh, there was something else. Here, I'll show you. I, uh, I want you to see somebody. Latimer. Latimer. Go, go away. Latimer, I want you to meet somebody. This is Mr. Theremon. No, no, go away. Hello. He's pushing me. Make him stop pushing me. Go away. I'm not touching him. What's wrong? Latimer is afraid. Aren't you? The walls. They're falling in on me. The walls. I've got to get out. I've got to get out. Let me out. You can't I... go out, Latimer. It's, it's all right. I've got to get out. Let me out. Let me out. Let me out. At, uh, at sleeping period, we have to give him a shot of morphine. Otherwise, he'd bat his brains against the wall. What's wrong with him? Nothing. Nothing but 15 minutes in the darkness of the tunnel of mystery. Oh, that's impossible. One person out of ten came out of the tunnel that way. That's why we had it shut down. But why should darkness do that? It's obvious men cannot exist without light. Longer periods of darkness would obviously be fatal. The scientific theory is that the consciousness of light is necessary for mental activity. Please, doctor, let me outside. Let me out, please. I, I can't breathe. They're pushing me. They're always pushing me. I can't stand here. <laughs> well, there you are, Theremon. That's what 15 minutes of darkness will do. Man just wasn't built to operate without light. There are always at least two suns in the sky, most of the time more. Just 15 minutes of darkness. Now, look out of that window. Imagine darkness everywhere. No light as far as you can see. Black. Everything black. And uh, stars, whatever they are, can you conceive it? No. Your mind wasn't built for that conception. When the real thing comes, you will go mad. Completely and permanently. There is no question of it. Tomorrow, there won't be a city left standing in the world. Why should the cities be destroyed? <laughs> if you were in darkness, what would you want more than anything else? What would it be that every instinct would call for? Light. And how would you get light? I don't know. You'd burn something. They've got to have light. They've got to burn something. And every city in the world will go up in flames. Well, uh, shall we go back to my office, Mr. Theremon, and uh, have another drink? Through the skies, the red sun beta shines alone. The wind howls across the city. It is cold colder than man can remember. And as the hour approaches, the reporter goes out and speaks to the man in the street. Excuse me, where are you going now? Home for supper. Or how about, uh, well, I mean, what are you going to do tonight? Oh, you mean about this star stuff? Look, I'll tell you, mister, I got nothing against religion, see. 
But it don't stand a reason that the end of the world is going to come boom like that. It just don't stand a reason. Have you read what the scientists say? I don't read stuff like that. Only the headlines. Well, how about the cult? Well, now, like I say, I've got nothing against religion. But you don't believe them either. Oh, they've always been shouting about doom and sin. Listen, when you've been around as long as I have, you get to know the score. It's all right to preach judgment day is coming and all that, but huh, just the same, I'm putting money in the bank. How about darkness? About what? How would you feel if there were no light? <laughs> you crazy. How could there be no light? Well, suppose all the suns went down at once. Suppose everything was black. That's crazy. What's the use of supposing something like that? It couldn't happen. It's crazy. That's all. Thank you. Sure, sure. Oh, look, mister, remember, pallet with two L's? All this talk of scientific explanation. It's sinful, that's what it is. Are you a member of the cult, sir? Sure I am. Been a member since I was a boy. And Daddy was a member, too. I, I've seen the books. It's all written down in the books. Don't you believe the scientist's explanation? Don't need it. I'm going to save my immortal soul. I'm going to stay on the mountaintop in a white robe while the stars carry me away to glory. Blessed be the stars. Amen. What are the stars? The glory, the, the breath of the heavens, the spirit of the ultimate. That's what they are. The observatory has announced that it intends to take pictures of the stars. Blasphemy. I sold my house, I gave all my money to the poor, won't need it anymore. I'm going to heaven with the stars. Glory, glory, going with the stars. The reporter checks the stock exchange, the stores, business at a standstill. Doesn't pay to buy anything today, not if the world is going to end tomorrow. There are predictions of economic collapse in the financial section, layoffs at the factories on the edge of the city, and through the streets the people will mill and turn, unsure, crying in fear or shouting with bravado. The story isn't here in the city, and so as the hour approaches, the reporter goes again to the observatory, high in the hills. Uh, look, Dr. Aton, if you are right, if the world is going to be destroyed, what is the difference if I stay here and observe and take notes? Uh, nothing, I suppose. You will be in the way. We have work to do. If I stay out of the way. Hello, hello. Oh, this place is like a morgue. It's freezing outside. The wind is enough to hang icicles on your nose. Beta doesn't seem to give any heat at all, the distance it is. Why aren't you in the hideout, Sharon? Me? <laughs> I'm part of the race that isn't worth perpetuating... Uh, who's got a bottle? We know alcohol today. Be too easy to get my men drunk. I can't afford to tempt them. All right, Thurman, you can stay. The time we took our positions, the observatory dome is up these stairs. After you. Ah! What is that? Up in the dome, quick. What is it? It's the plates. The photographic plates, they're all smashed. <laughs> there he is. <laughs> the countess is going for the telescope. After him. All right, I've got it. Let go. No. Let go. must be destroyed. It must be. It's all, it's all right. He didn't harm anything. Let him up. Well, that's the high priest I was talking to him yesterday. All right. What do you want? Nothing that you would give me of your own free will. I made a bargain with the cult to give me certain data that you had. In return, I promised to prove the essential truth of the creed. There was no need to prove that. 
It stands proven by the book of Revelations. I offered scientific backing for you believers. You made of the darkness and the stars a natural phenomenon and removed all its real significance. That was blasphemy. The facts exist. Your facts are a fraud and a delusion. How do you know? I know. I suppose you think in trying to warn the world against the menace of madness, we are placing souls in jeopardy, huh? Well, we haven't succeeded. If that makes you feel better. Your devilish instruments must be destroyed. We obey the will of the stars. Someone call the police in Cerro City. There's no time for that. Uh, let me handle this. The eclipse is only a few minutes away. Look, you. Will you give your word of honor to cause no trouble? I will not. Listen. Just as soon as the eclipse starts, we're going to take you and put you in a closet with the door closed, and you will stay there. Then you won't see the darkness, and you won't see the stars. And that means the loss of your immortal soul, according to the cult. All right. Will you give your word of honor? You have it. You will all be damned for your deeds of today. Look! Look at Beta! The eclipse has started. You can see the blackness against Beta. Get busy on those cameras. Check the exposures very carefully. You're shaking, Mr. Theremin. Yes, I don't feel very well. You're not losing your nerve. No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm just not used to it. You could probably make the hideout. I have been assigned to cover a story. I intend to cover it. Oh, professional honor? Yes. Yes. What is that? The cultist. That's the book of Revelations. I don't understand it. He is chanting some old cycle language. The book of Revelations was originally written in it. There are probably two million people in Cerro City who are trying to join the cult. One gigantic revival. How do the cultists manage to keep the book of Revelations going from cycle to cycle if everyone goes mad? Who wrote the book? There are some people who don't see the stars. The blind, those who drink themselves into a stupor, and children, to whom the world as a whole is too new and too strange for them to be frightened at stars and darkness. They would have memories. And that, combined with the confused, incoherent babbling of the mad, formed the basis for the book of Revelations. Oh, the cult will be riding high down there in the city. I, I hope they make the most of it. Dr. Sharon, I, I just heard from the hideout on the private line. Oh, they're in trouble? They are safe, but the city is, is a shambles. You have no idea. Well, it'll get worse. Well, what are you shaking about, Dr. Aiton? How do you feel? You don't understand. The cultists are rousing the people to storm the observatory, promising them immediate entrance into grace, promising them salvation, promising them anything. How long till the total eclipse? An hour. Well, it's a gamble. It will take time to get a mob out here. If the darkness comes first, we're all right. Oh, look at Beta. It's cut in half. Half of it is black. Yes, it's getting darker. An interesting phenomenon. Oh, my... My collar is suddenly tight. Are you having any difficulty in breathing? No, no, why? Difficulty in breathing is one of the first <clears throat> symptoms. We have experimented. I'm, I'm cold. Seems to be getting colder. Yes, well, we'd better keep our minds on something else. One of the astronomers has a theory about the stars. Far away to see in the light. He developed a, 
fantasy about a planet revolving around one sun. <laughs> it's a mathematical possibility. Of course, there couldn't be any life. Part of the planet would always be dark and without light. Well, it's, it's obvious. Without light, there can't be any life. It's time for the artificial light. We can't read the instruments. Artificial light? One of the researchers at the university worked it out. Why, it's beautiful. Yellow light. After four hours of red. It's beautiful. Light. Light. The dome is quiet. The priest in his yellow robe sways slowly as his lips move in the ancient tongue. Over and over, he whispers the invocation to the stars. The technicians hunch over the instruments, and the sky gradually turns a horrible deep purple-red, and the air grows denser. Dusk, like a palpable entity, enters the room, and the dancing circle of yellow light about the torches etches itself into ever-sharper distinction against the ever-gathering grayness beyond. Outside, Beta is a mere smoldering splendor, taking a last look at the world. The western horizon, in the direction of the city, is lost in darkness, and along the highway to the observatory surges a menacing, shadowy mass. Bob from the city, they're coming. How long till total eclipse? Fifteen minutes. They'll be here in five. We'll hold them off. Come on, Fetterman, downstairs. But, but, but there's, there's no light down there. We have to block the door. Come on. I can't... I can't breathe. I can't go down there. Take a torch. We'll take light with us. Come on. Aiton? Aiton? I'm here. Did you bar the door? They won't get in. All right now, everybody. One minute till totality. One minute. Just before totality, I'm changing the plate. That will leave one of you for each camera. You know all about times of exposure. Now remember, don't try to look for good shots. And if you feel yourself going, get away from the camera. It's dark. It's getting dark. Sharon. Sharon, where are you? I can't see you, Sharon. I'm right here. 30 seconds. Ah! Look out, the priest. I can't see him. And the wicked shall perish in the souls of the true believers, shall be transported in glory to the stars. You can see him against the torch. Don't let him get to the telescope. the stars, they reach down a heavenly flame, and where it touched the cities of the world, flame to utter destruction. Grab him! You shall not blaspheme! The world must be destroyed by the stars. It must be! Let me go! I'll take care of him. The stars! The stars! Five seconds to totality. Four, three, two, one. The sky is black, and through it shine the stars. 30,000 minute suns shine down in a soul-searing splendor. It is more frightening in its awful indifference than the bitter wind that shivers across the horrible, cold, bleak world. The stars. The stars. 
A star. It's dark. 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 The walls. The walls are coming in on me. They're coming in. Light. 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 Darkness. Forever. Light. Forever. And ever. Light. And the walls Light. are breaking in. We did Light. not know. We did not know. We did not know. On the horizon, in the direction of the city, a crimson glow begins growing. A thousand fires strengthen in brightness that is not the glow of the sun. A million fires, as a world mad in the darkness screams in terror for the light. The night has come again. You have just heard X-1 presented by the National Broadcasting Company in cooperation with Street and Smith, publishers of astounding science fiction. Tonight by transcription, X-1 has brought you Nightfall by Isaac Asimov, adapted for radio by Ernest Kinoy. Featured in the cast were Wendell Holmes, John Larkin, Santos Ortega, Mercer McLeod, Alan Collins, Bob Hastings, and Roy Fent. Your narrator was Floyd Mack. Fred Collins speaking. X-1 was directed by Daniel Sutter and is an NBC Radio Network production. Stay tuned for Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for you to accompany me on a trip back to 1940 and a show starring two talented guys on their way to a fantastic career. Singer Dean Martin and the wacky Jerry Lewis. They're next. It's the Martin and Lewis Show! Yes, the National Broadcasting Company brings you transcribed from Hollywood, the Martin and Lewis Show. Our guest tonight, Bill Hopalong, Cassidy Boy. Featuring Flo McMichael, Sheldon Leonard, Ben Alexander, Dick Stabile and his orchestra, and starring Dean Martin. The of brown came tumbling down, remember... In September, in the rain. And Jerry Lewis! Yes, the leaves of brown came tumbling down, remember? In September, and October, and November, and December, and January. Boy, was that tree loaded with brown leaves. <laughs> Five foot two eyes of blue But oh, what those five foot could do Has anybody seen my gal? Turn up nose and a turn down hose 
Never had another bow Has anybody seen my gal Now if you run into Five foot two Covered with fur Diamond rings and all those things Bet you life but it isn't hers Could she love and could she woo Could she, could she, could she coo Has anybody seen my girl Five foot two, eyes are blue But oh, what those five foot could do Has anybody seen my girl? Now if you run into five foot two Covered with fur Diamond rings and all those things Bet you laugh that it wasn't her Could she love and could she coo Could she, could she, could she woo Has anybody seen my dad? For the past couple of days, Dean and Jerry have been unable to come to an agreement on where to spend their vacation. As we look in at their little apartment, we find it littered with travel folders and resort ads, and the discussion's still going on. Jerry, we've been talking about every place I can think of that's spent a vacation, and you just won't make up your mind. I did make up my mind. The Canadian Rockies. It's beautiful up there. I read all about it in that new book I got from the Book of the Year Club. You mean the Book of the Month Club? No, I read slow. (laughs) You know, I've always wanted to see the tropics, Jerry. Uh, How about Hawaii? Hawaii? Ah, beautiful Hawaii. No, I don't think I'd like it there. Ah, but Hawaii has those beautiful tropical nights with the palm trees in the background. And Waikiki Beach with the warm rolling surf. And beautiful native girls in those grass skirts. Wait till I get my Vigoro and I'll go with you. Ah, Jerry, winter will be here before you make up your mind. I'll tell you. Let's just load the car, and I'll go down to the service station and get a road map. You'll get a road map? Ah, Jerry, that's a wonderful way to spend a vacation. Lost. (laughs) Lost? Listen, I can read a road map. Just suppose we were going to make a trip to Lake Tahoe, say. Now, we lay the map down on the ground with the arrow facing north, which is to our south because the station is on our right facing east. We follow the red line to the Mexican border. No, that's wrong. We back up here and take this road marked 18. No, that's the number of miles to Pomona. (laughs) Well, anyway, we turn here and go around to here and... Well, then if we go... There's a detour. Uh, Dean? What? I'm lost. (laughs) Well, this is going to be a great vacation. I can see that. Well, hello, Florence. Hi, Florence. How's our secretary? Hello, Mr. Martin, Mr. Lewis. I'm fine. Maybe you can help us, Florence. If you had your choice on where to go on a vacation, where would it be? Well, let's see. Well, I drive north to San Francisco, and then east past Lake Tahoe and into Nevada, and then I turn around and back into Reno. 
<laughs> You'd back into Reno? Sure. I don't want to get a divorce. I want to get married. We just wanted an idea, Florence. Uh, where did you go on your vacation? To the beach. You should see the hit I made in my French bathing suit. Oh, you have a French bathing suit, huh? Yeah. I designed it myself. I got the idea from a movie I saw. Well, which movie? The Lady Gamble. <laughs> hey, maybe we should go to the beach, Dean. After all, I have a French bathing suit, too. Jerry, men don't wear French bathing suits. They don't? No. Anybody want to buy a strapless handkerchief? <laughs> Say, why didn't you go to the mountains? That's where I went last summer, up to Hairless Lake. Hairless Lake? Now, where in the world is Hairless Lake? How do you know? It's that big bunch of water that's held back by Balder Dam. <laughs> Balder Dam? <laughs> it's Balder Dame. Lawrence, uh, here's the mail that came this morning. Now, you go on, take it home and answer it, and don't worry about a thing. You're going to be all right. Okay, bye. Well, let's run through these uh, tourist folders once more, Jerry. Now, now you listen to me closely. Sun Valley, Yosemite. Well, what do you know? A little bitty tap on the door and it popped open. Well, uh, now that I'm inside... Hey, wait uh, a minute. Who are you? Dean, don't you remember him? It's the guy who lives in the next apartment, Soapy Leonard. Yes, sir, that's right. Soapy Leonard. They call me Soapy because I'm 99 and 44 one hundredths percent pure. <laughs> tell you about this vacation of yours. Now, you I... just wait a minute. How uh, do you know we were talking about our vacation? It's easy. I used to be a house detective. <laughs> you were a house detective, Mr. Leonard? Yeah, sure. That's me. Tall, dark, and transom. <laughs> <laughs> now, look, we were having a uh, fine little private conversation, and you're nothing but an eavesdropper. I am not an eavesdropper. No, sir. I got a perfectly legitimate hole drilled in your baseboard. <laughs> Oh, then you're a peeping Tom. I certainly am not. I hate peeping Toms. I'm a listening Louie. <laughs> now, uh, when I overheard you talking, I got struck with a great idea for you guys. Now, this is wonderful. You see, a camping trip, a vacation for you up in the high Sierra mountains. Huh? Oh, no, that's not for Jerry Lewis. Why, it is for Jerry Lewis. Just the thing you need. Put muscles on you. Build up your chest. Chest? What's that? <laughs> Look, uh, what do you think happens to the air when you inhale? I don't know. All I do is exhale. <laughs> you know, Jerry, maybe Sophie's got something there. You could do with a little building up. Yeah, certainly. That's right. And not only will it build you boys up, it will also save you money. Now, you just leave everything to me. I'll fix you up with all the stuff you need, everything. Now, all that you really want, though, is just a few crackers to munch on. Well, what do you figure it'll cost us? A few crackers? I don't know. $500? <laughs> $500 for a few crackers? You want salt on them, don't you? <laughs> now, 
Now, look, we're not paying any $500 to go on a camping trip. Well, all right, all right. I can probably get it for you a little cheaper, but there is one thing I want you to know. If I am going to be nice enough to go to the bottom of handling your money, you will have to trust me. <laughs> you do trust me, don't you? Oh, yes, of course. Bless his stupid little heart. <laughs> It's all set. I need a little money to get the equipment. I tell you what, we will all contribute equally, huh? Okay, here's 50. Here's my 50. Here's my 50. <laughs> all right, I'll go get the provisions. I'll see you boys later. Okay, so please. Well, I don't know. That soapy doesn't seem like much of an outdoor man to me, Jerry. I uh, hope we didn't make a mistake. Maybe we should have gone to Balder Dame. <laughs> oh, come on, Jerry. We'll throw some old clothes together and be on our way to the high Sierra. <laughs> Jerry, why are you stopping here? I think I better have another look at this map. Oh, what's the use? We're lost. I ain't seen nothing but animals along this road for an hour. Yeah, Jerry, you got us lost in the middle of these woods. Yeah. Don't you blame me, Dean Martin. You told me to follow the white strip down the highway, and that's exactly what I did. Well, let's drive on, then. What are you waiting for? The white strip. It's sitting up in that tree looking at me. <laughs> The road's ended. The only thing to do is unload the car and camp here for the night. Hey, Jerry, you get the stuff out of the back seat. And, Jerry, be careful with those hunting guns. Okay, okay. Boy, this stuff is really packed in here tight. <clears throat> Imagine that Dean telling me to be careful of these hunting guns. What does he think I am, a kid or something? <clears throat> Jerry, you all right? Yeah, Dean, there's only one thing. What's that? When you mount my head over the fireplace, don't let people hang hats on my ears. <laughs> oh, boy, oh, boy, you smell that air. Oh, what a great night's sleep we're going to get out here, huh? Yeah, maybe so, but what are we going to sleep on? Well, there's nothing to it, kid. You just spread your blankets on the ground. It's going to be nice and soft when you snuggle up to Mother Nature. I'll lie down and try it. <clears throat> ow, ow. <clears throat> What's the matter, kid? Feels like Mother Nature forgot to take her corset off. Hey, Jerry, I've been looking all through the car and I can't find any matches. I forgot them. The one thing that we trust you to get and you forget it. I gotta go back to town and get the matches. All right, matches. Let's see, I'll need a little money. How much, Sophie? Let's see now, matches. And about 20 bucks will do it. $20 for a box of matches? You want sulfur on them, don't you? <laughs> Just giving you one dollar. You can steal the matches for all I care. Well, now, there is a proposition that appeals to my sporting instincts. <laughs> all right, I'll drive the car back to town. So long, boys. Well, Jerry, we're on our own. Here we are, just the two of us in the middle of the woods. Yeah. It, it's so dark here, and I, I'm scared. Will you hold my hand, Dean, please? Oh, thank you, Dean. <laughs> Jerry, I'm not holding your hand You're not? <laughs> Jerry, you're holding your own hand I am? <laughs> Jerry, that's 
nothing to be afraid of. Now, let's fix up a couple of beds and get some sleep. I don't know about you, but I'm going to take this axe and make a bed out of branches. This looks like a good branch here. Jerry, you're almost through the bark. <laughs> Look, almighty woodsman. Now you put down that axe and come over here. We've got sleeping bags. Now go on and get into yours. Oh, all right. They're a little complicated, you know. Are you sure you know how to handle yours? Don't worry about Jerry Lewis. <laughs> there. Well, you got your pants off. Now get in the sleeping bag. <laughs> I'll handle this. Hey, hey. Hey, listen. Dean, you hear something? Yeah, what was it? It was over that way. But I can't see anything. Wait a minute. Yeah, it's getting clearer. I see it. What is it? A television set. Nothing. <laughs> hey, that's no television set. That's William Boyd. Hop along, Cassidy. <laughs> These guns have a handy habit of picking out rustlers, that's why. Rustlers? Yeah. Some low-down varmints got away with a thousand head of my cattle, and I think I know who. Honest, Mr. Cassidy, we haven't got your thousand head of cattle. If you don't believe it, you can search us. <laughs> uh, you can stop that right now. Talking like city slickers isn't going to throw me off the trail. Honest, Mr. Boyd, we're not rustlers. We've never been rustlers. We don't even know any rustlers. Wait a minute, Dean. What about gorgeous George? Uh, we're Martin and Lewis, Mr. Cassidy. Uh, we're comedians. Haven't you heard us on the radio? I've heard Martin and Lewis on the radio. But if you're them, what are you doing out here in the woods, sleeping on the ground with nothing but crackers to eat? Oh. Well, maybe you'll get a sponsor soon. <laughs> You must know us, Mr. Cassidy. We're in, we're in movies, you know. We just finished a picture of Paramount called My Friend Irma. My Friend Irma? Well, that's a funny name for a Western. It's not a Western, Mr. Cassidy. A lot of pictures are made that aren't Westerns. Well, when did they think of that? <laughs> now, that's enough of this small talk. If you'll tell me where my cattle are, I might ask the law to go a little easier on you. Honest, Mr. Cassidy, we haven't got your cattle. We haven't got any animals. All we got is a little flying red horse in the car. <laughs> a little flying red horse in the car. <laughs> so shoot me, I made a western boo-boo. You sure did. And you've been trying to tell me you're Jerry Lewis, the comedian. Sure, and I'm a singer, too. Oh, give me a home. Where the buffalo roam. Well? I wouldn't sing like that around here if I was you, partner. Why not? The government pays a pretty big bounty for coyote hides. <laughs> coyote? What's a coyote? That's a Mel Torme with fur on it. <laughs> All right, Mr. Cassidy. 
Cassidy, if I can't convince you who we are, maybe Dean can do it. Would you recognize Dean's voice if you heard it? No, I reckon. Okay, Dean, will you get us out of this spot? Sing that one I was humming while we were driving up here. Oh, you must mean again, huh? That's right. All right, I'll do my best. Again This couldn't happen again This is the once in a lifetime This is a thrill that I Such as you would suddenly be mine, mine to hold as I'm holding you now, and yet never so near. Great singing, Dean. Well, thanks, Hoppy. And now you're convinced we're Martin and Lewis? Yeah, but I still got to catch those rustlers. It's pretty late. You fellas don't mind. I'll stay here tonight and ride after them first thing in the morning. It's okay with us. Well, Hoppy, I'm, I'm going to turn in for the night and get some sleep. There, I'm in my sleeping bag. <laughs> I'm in my sleeping bag. You in your sleeping bag, Jerry? No, in the dark, I put my pants back on. <laughs> Good night, fellas. Good night. Good night. Oh, boy. Am I going to sleep tonight? Gee, Hoppy's going to get up tomorrow and chase rustlers. He sure leads an exciting life. I wish I could go out and chase rustlers like he does. <laughs> Jerry, Jerry, 
Uh, not tonight, Lana. I'm having a Western dream. <laughs> Jerry, Dean, I just got word to the wrestlers in the Red Dog Saloon down at Panama City. I gotta go. Wait a minute, hop along. You can't catch him without me. Give me a six-shooter and I'll go with you. Can you handle a six-shooter? Can I handle a six-shooter? I just said, give me a six-shooter and I'll go with you. And you got the nerve to ask me if I can handle one. <laughs> well, can you? Well, no. <laughs> well, of course Jerry can handle a gun. Come on, let's get on the horse and ride into the Red Dog Saloon. Okay. Oh, boy. Hup, I'm on. Hup, I'm on. Hup, I'm on. Whoa, ho. Now, look, fellas, we're not all supposed to be on the same horse. <laughs> That's right. Come on, Jerry, let's get on our own horses and get moving. A partner, you're facing the wrong way. You're riding backwards. Oh, I wondered why my horse was so round-shouldered. Ah, Jerry, you got us lost again. We'll never get to the Red Dog Saloon this way. Oh, no? Oh, no? Look, isn't that the Red Dog right over there? Ah, that's nothing but a mirage. Well, let's head for that. It's better than nothing. <laughs> you know, Jerry, you sure are the bow-leggedest cowboy I ever saw. I ain't so bow-legged. Oh, no? Then what become of your horse? Doggone, <laughs> slipped out from under me again. <laughs> well, it doesn't matter. Whoa! Well, here we are at the Red Dog Saloon. Let's go in. coming over here, the one with the evening gown and all the diamonds. Looks like our secretary, Florence. Yeah. Hello, boys. Welcome. <laughs> Welcome to the Red Dog. Hey, who are you supposed to be? Why, I'm Texas Buckshot Bertha, the queen of the dance halls. I'm the most gorgeous gal west of the Panamint. Why, the cowboys come for hundreds of miles just to look at me and let my beauty drive them crazy. <laughs> Hey, Florence. What? Are you for real? <laughs> of course I'm not for real. This is a Western dream, isn't it? Now, uh, what can I do for you, boy? You're pretty attractive. <laughs> you like the perfume I got on? It's a scent from Cody. <laughs> Smells more like it was sent from North Dakota. <laughs> Well, I'm tired of all this stalling around. Some rustlers got away with a thousand head of my cattle. You got any idea where I can find them? Hey, uh, look, I'm the proprietor. I just happened to overhear what you gents said. You see, I got a little hole drilled in a bar. Sophie, what are you doing here? We sent you for matches. Yeah, where's that dollar I gave? Well, I'll tell you, boys, I got a confession to make. I was going to spend the dollar for matches, you see, but on the way, I ran into a very nice deal. A thousand head of cattle for a buck. Uh, those were my cattle. 
Well, all right, all right, stranger. Don't get excited. I'm a guy who always does the right thing. Here's your buck. I don't want that dollar. I want my herd of cattle, and I'm going to get it. Now, let's don't get excited, man. We can talk it over level-headed like, but first, uh, uh, how about a drink on the house, huh? I don't drink. I don't drink either. I'm kind of thirsty. <laughs> now, I'm going to search this saloon for them cattle. <laughs> Starting with this room right here. No, no, wait, wait, look, don't, don't open that door. Why not? Well, you see, I, I got me a lady friend, and I, uh, well, I hit her in there. Oh, yeah? We'll see about that. Oh, pardon me. I thought he was lying, ma'am. Yes. Well, you might have caught me, but it ain't going to do you any good because I got you covered. Get your hands up, you skinny little punk. Skinny little punk. Listen, I'm not afraid of you. I got a chest that's just as big as yours. And I got a right hand punch that'll knock you for a loop. And I got a left hand punch that'll break you in half. And I'm so full of muscles that I could take iron and bend it. And tear steel with my teeth. And if I ever grab you, boy, and if I ever really... Look how he's staring at me. <laughs> I'm taking over here, Soapy. You're going to see the sheriff. Yeah, well, if you want me to see the sheriff, you guys will have to take me. I have got my gun drawn. I've got my gun drawn. I've got my gun drawn. Wait a minute. What's the matter? I can't find any paper and pencil. <laughs> I ain't waiting, Jay. I'm finishing off this wrestler right now. Wait a minute, Dean. Don't shoot him. The government's got a price on his head. Yeah, $10,000. Hey, hey, you, you say, um... Did I understand you to say that the, the government has got a price of 10,000 bucks on my head? That's right. Tell you what I'll do. Here's a way to make a fast buck. Uh, you give me 5,000, you can have my head. Wait a minute. $5,000 for your head? You want it with hair on it, don't you? <laughs> Wake up, Jerry. Jerry, wake up. What? What? You've been hollering and screaming for five minutes. You must have been having a nightmare. Yeah. Boy, am I glad to see you guys. Boy, what a dream I had. We got on some horses, see? And we rode and rode and rode down to some saloon and captured the cattle rustler. Boy, was it awful. Jerry, take it easy. You've been right here in your sleeping bag. Yeah, Jerry, you haven't been doing any riding. Go on, go to sleep. Okay, Dean. Dean. What? You said I haven't been doing any riding? Of course not. Then how come I can't be comfortable anyway except lying on my stomach? <laughs> yeah, thank you, Bill Boyd, for being with us. Good night, everybody. Bye. Show transcribed in Hollywood is produced by Robert L. Red, written by Ray Allen and Dick McKnight with Mark Lockman and Cy Rose. Thank you for listening. I hope you're going to be with me next week as I uncover more gems from the golden age of radio. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell, Paul Stringer, and Justin Eacock for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. I hope you'll join me tomorrow morning at 9 when I'm the sous chef on The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Have a wonderful weekend. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads.
Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.